So uh, anybody, like I know I am, I know we kind of discussed this, but do we have any country music fans? Like I know we have a few, right? So have some, probably have some that never even listen. That's okay. In 2004, Tim McGraw, he's a country music artist. You probably heard him because he's at least crossed over into the acting world as well. He released a song called Live Like You Were Dying. And the premise of the song is this. A son is having a conversation with his father. And the father had just been diagnosed with cancer, and the prognosis wasn't good. He only had uh, a short time to live. And so he's having this conversation with his dad, and the son asked the father, uh, how, what, what did you do when you get, got the news? Like, how did this affect you? And the father goes on to list a number of activities that he went on to do, uh, including bull riding, skydiving, mountain climbing. He also talks about giving forgiveness that he was withholding from people. He talked about how he started to love better and became nicer overall. In the end, he tells his son that he wishes that he would get the chance. He, he wishes his son would get the chance to live as if he were dying, as if he knew how many days he had left. In the end, it changed the way that the son lived, and it made him a better person. It allowed him to prioritize better and spend his time more wisely. Finally, the question is asked, if you knew how much time you had left, how would you spend it? What could you do with it? And what would you do with it? In the end, the son realizes that it's not how much he can fit into his time, but how he spends his time that is ultimately important. And ultimately, when it comes to filling our time, we will learn and we have to understand that quality is more important than quantity. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, it says that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha had opened her home to them. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you even care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, chill out. No, he actually, he said, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What we have to understand about time, other than the fact that it's precious, is that even doing something that's necessary can be a misappropriation of your time, right? Even doing something that's necessary can be a misappropriation of your time. Let me explain. Working, good thing, right? Most of us, we have to work in order to pay our bills and have a house and food and clothing. Uh, those things we find to be essential to living. But working 60 to 80 hours a week and never seeing your family, not a good use of your time, right? Working out every day, spending 30 to an hour, maybe even an hour and a half of your time daily, just getting the sweat going, getting some endorphins moving, uh, relieving some stress, building up your heart strength, becoming healthier overall, that's a good thing. Allowing working out to consume you, building your schedule around it, and developing unhealthy habits, not so great. Uh, relaxing, watching the old Netflix, right? Taking a load off. It's a good way to decompress. Uh, binge watching a show and stained sweatpants that weren't stained when you put them on. Not a great use of your time. Okay, so we can do things that are good and good for us, but if we do them in excess, if we choose the wrong time to do them, then in the end, not good for us at all. It's, it's a negative. Martha was being hospitable. Uh, she had opened her home, most likely was feeding everybody there in the group a meal. And it seemed like she had a pretty good reason to be upset. Hey, Jesus, look at my sister. She's not doing a darn thing. This is her house too, right? She can pitch in. She can help out. 
She's not doing anything to help me. Why, why aren't you telling her to help me? It seems like she has a legitimate grievance. It had to sting, and I mean really, really sting, when Jesus told her, hey, you're making the wrong choice. You're doing the wrong thing. I don't know if you've ever been there, but been there before, right? Sometimes we get so busy and we're trying to fit everything in our schedule and we don't want to tell everybody no and we want to accomplish all the things and do all the things for all the people that we stretch ourselves far too thin and in the end it just becomes a negative for us and for those around us because we burn out or we give up or we just decide, hey, I can't do this anymore. Spending our time is all about making wise choices. Now, what Martha was doing, it wasn't bad and at other times she would have been praised for what she did opening our home to Jesus and the disciples and running around trying to make sure that everybody had everything that they needed. But in this moment, it was the wrong choice. And if we think about this, it can apply to all areas of our life, but it especially applies to what we've talked about last week, this week, and what we'll talk about next week, being neighborly. Right again, being neighborly was the second thing on God's list. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But what if I just don't have time? Right? That's the number one excuse that I feel like a lot of people have. I just don't have time. I don't have time to put in that extra effort. I'm too busy worrying about my family. I've got my kids. I've got my husband or my wife. I've got work. I've got school. I've got whatever I've got. And I, I've just, I don't have enough time to reach out to that person that I see in need because I, I've just got too many things going. Is that the right outlook to have? I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that the things you're doing aren't legitimate things. But if we fill our plates too full, that we don't somehow have anything that we can give off of our plate or we can't give people a piece of our plate, what are we doing? What kind of choices are we making? It seems to me like we have to reprioritize. Again, if it's second on Jesus' list, it's got to be really high up there on ours. That's the argument I made last week. If it's second on Jesus' list, if the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, love your neighbor, if that's there, then we have to have time for it. And if we're filling our life with so much that we don't have time for it, then it's time to tell some things goodbye. It's time to tell some things goodbye. Colossians 4, 5 states, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Even if you're doing something good, could you be doing something better? Even if you're spending your time in a worthwhile manner, is there something more worthy of your time? We have to understand, we have to make sure that we grasp this, we have to make it the center of who we are, that being neighborly is a worthwhile pursuit. Being neighborly is a worthwhile pursuit. Mary, Mary's on the other side of this. She wasn't helping. She wasn't helping serve the group. She left her sister to do all of this. She chose to be at the Lord's feet. She was engaged with the people that were there and that were around her. Martha chose the task over being present with people around her. How often do we choose the task over being present with the people that we're with? I've got this job that I have to do. I have this thing on my list that I have to check off. And we let the rest of the world pass us by because we're too engrossed 
and accomplishing our task or doing that thing. Again, Martha was doing a good thing, but she missed out on the people. She missed out on the people. And I, listen, most of us have been there. Let's think about some major events that a lot of us have had in our life. For, one's getting ready to come up, two of them, holidays, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, right? I think of like Jarek and I's wedding day. We were so busy our wedding day. We had put on this big production. We had worked really hard to get the site, which was my grandparents' house, ready. We had done a bunch of work at their house and trimmed limbs and tried to make everything look perfect and, and got everything the way we wanted it. And honestly, our wedding was this big production that we had put on, yes, because we wanted to, you know, show our love for one another to everybody, but, but it became a show for everybody else. And at the end of the day, she and I were both tired and exhausted and really didn't remember a thing that had gone on. Like we remember exchanging the vows because that's the moment, you know, you're there, you're engaged, it's you and her. But the rest of the day is, I got to move from here to there. I've got to go cut the cake and throw a cupcake in her face and make sure everybody's getting ice cream. Then I got to go shake everybody's hand and say, hey, thanks for being here. And listen, all those things are maybe good things, but I was completely unengaged because I had to check off all the lists. I think about holidays and I think about my mom. She's not here so I can talk about her today. Uh, I think about my mom. My mom on a holiday like Thanksgiving, first of all, she makes pretty much the whole feast. Like we try to pitch in. Do you want to? No, don't do that. I've got this. I've got that. And then she makes a, enough food for like a small English army. Uh, and she's just running around the whole time serving. Do you need something to drink? Can I get you something else? Do you want seconds? Do you want dessert? What do you want this? I got to do the dishes. I, she sits down. She misses out on the whole occasion. How many of you have been there? How many of you have been there that you're so busy on making sure that everybody else gets their share that you don't? See, the gold, the treasure there, it's in the people. It's in those relationships. It's in those times with our family and with one another. But we are so busy with the task. We glorify the task that we, we miss out on it. Before we know what's happening, it's over. And we were just running around the whole time. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that I was just running around the whole time and that I missed out on the people. I would hate for my funeral to have just me and no one else. Because all I did was stuff. Like, could they bring in stuff? Here's all the stuff he accumulated. Here's the award that he got for putting all the time into this area of his life. But where are the people? Well, I didn't really have any because he didn't really spend a lot of time with them. Like, I think about that. That visual is very real in my head that at the end of my life, if, if there comes a time to celebrate how I live my life, would it be people there saying, man, I'm really going to miss this guy and everything that he meant to me and he was so important or is there just going to be a few of the family members that feel like they have to be there? And then what would fill the rest of the room? Would it be all the stuff that I've devoted my time to that's really not that important? I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be filled with the people that I loved and that I made an impact, hopefully, in their lives. And that I made a difference for. Being neighborly is a worthwhile pursuit. It's something that we are called to do by Jesus, yes, but it should be something that we want to do. Where, are, where do we place our treasure? What do we make important to us? Is it that nicer house? Is it that newer vehicle? Is it that better job? Is it that, you know, that, what, what is it? What is it? Is it living vicariously through our kids and making sure that they look awesome so we can say, that's my kid. <laughs> look what I did, right? Like, you know, yeah, your kid was an accident. Congratulations. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> right? But like, where are we placing our priorities? We go to these events in search of the treasure and we miss out on it. 
We dig up the gold for everyone else. We make sure that they get their share. We're running around serving them. We, have, we make sure that they get everything that they need. But you missed out on it. At the end of the day, you were too busy mining for gold and digging up the treasure and passing it out that after everybody left, you realized, oh, I didn't save any for myself. What an empty feeling that has to be. We should always, hear me on this, we should always, always choose people over task. We should always choose people over task. The problem is that task, that's where the glory is in our society. It's just, that's the truth. It's where it is. And not just that, it's what we get from those tasks, right? I can get more money. I can get notoriety. I'll get the credit. Hey, even self-gratification, like this is doing something good for me and I feel great about it. It's all about what the job can do for us. And we focus so much on those things because that's how we show others that we're somehow succeeding. I, you know, I sometimes I get on Facebook and I watch these clips of just whatever. Like they pop up and you get in this rabbit hole and you're stuck there. And I'm, I'm watching this uh, clip from the Steve Harvey show. I don't know if you ever heard Steve Harvey. Uh, I don't like, he's a big goofball, but every now and then he has these really big nuggets of wisdom. And so he's doing this kind of like expose and he's got all these young black men up on stage with him. And he's just talking about how... Um, as a community, they need to pour into one another and build one another up. And he's got like this teenage young man on the stage and he's asking a question. He goes, Steve, I don't have a dad. I don't have an uncle. Never had a dad. Don't have any men in my life. How am I supposed to learn how to be a man? How am I supposed to learn how to be a man? And so Steve Harvey has a simple question. He looks around at all the guys on the stage. They live in the same area. And he says, hey, who's going to mentor this young man? A few of them raise their hand. Yeah, I've got time. I'll do it. Or I'll, I'll pour into this kid. Right, it really struck me. And one of the things that Steve Harvey said after that was, hey, I learned how to be a man from other great men in my life. And it wasn't the men that were the richest. It wasn't the men that were the smartest. It wasn't the men that, it was the men that just did the right thing and that were there and that poured into me. The best men that I know are some of the poorest as far as monetary wealth goes. But I would argue that those men are probably the richest because they have, poured themselves out into everyone else around them. And the impact that they made went far beyond how nice their house was or how much credit they got or what they looked like or whatever else. They made an impact in the world around them. Rarely do you get accolades for the type of neighbor that you are. And I'm talking, yes, both about being the neighbor to the person next door and just being a neighbor to people out in the world right? Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means to be a neighbor, to love people as yourself. Rarely are you going to get a lot of accolades for that, except from the people that you're a neighbor to. To them, you will be famous. To them, it makes all the difference in the world. To them, you are great. To them, you change the life. To them, you change the world. Where do you want your treasure to be? Do you find being neighborly a worthwhile pursuit? And if you do, and you don't have time for it, reconcile those two things. If you find being neighborly a worthwhile pursuit, but you don't have time for it, or you have anything else that's getting in the way of that being accomplished, rearrange your schedule, rearrange your life, rearrange your priorities to make it happen. That's the challenge. Not my challenge. That's Jesus' challenge. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things. If we can do those two things, then we can change the world.
Choose people every chance you get, you won't be sorry. Choose people every chance you get, you won't be sorry. You know, I want to know what I remember from my childhood. It's my fourth grade teacher, Miss Jenkins, who didn't see me as the annoying little kid who wouldn't shut up and asked all the questions and blurted out in times when he shouldn't. It was a lady who understood that I needed to be challenged more, who held me to a higher standard, who held me accountable and expected me to be better and gave me tasks that were to my level. You want to know what I remember in my childhood? It was all the times my grandpa took me to... Uh, sorry. It's, it's all the times he took me to a Lady Bears game and bought me a pretzel. It's not the PS2 that I had or the TV that was in my bedroom or the clothes that I was wearing or those awesome shoes I had in second grade. I don't even remember the shoes I had in second grade. It's not those things. It's the experiences that I have with people that mean the most to me. I'm sorry that I'm getting emotional. I am. But it's just really dawned on me these past couple weeks that the most important treasure that we have are those around us. And I focus on other things far too much. I want the house. I want the truck. I want the boat. I want this. I want that. And are those bad, evil things? No, not necessarily. But if that's my focus, if that's not something I come along as the journey continues, if that's the focus, if that's what is the goal of my journey and where my journey ends, then I failed. I failed. And I failed all those people who saw more in me and took their time to pour into me and to make me something better. Philippians 2 4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Mark 9 35. And he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them that if any of you would be first, he must be last and servant of all. What do we think really matters in our world? In the end, in the end, it's about one thing. Jesus makes it clear at the end of our passage that we started with. Luke 10, 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And that one thing is to be as much like God as we can be. That one thing is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And if we do that one thing, then we love others as we love ourselves. That is the one thing that's needed. All the other stuff, it's great. It's great, but you'll be fine without it. It's great, but you'll be fine without it. In the end, being neighborly isn't being neighborly is, sorry, about being Jesus-centered. It's about focusing on the one thing, or should I say the one person that's important, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and to be in your house. And God, I pray that people found this time this morning worthwhile with all the things that can distract us and that can get in our way and that can become a focus of our lives. God, I pray that you help us to focus on the one true thing that's important, which ultimately is you. But God, help us to understand that when we do that, when we focus on you, when we make it our goal to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, that 
being neighborly, loving others as we love ourselves, is ultimately it. Right? We're Christians. We're little Christ. We're supposed to represent you. And, and if we represent you truly, that means that we will love others as we love ourselves. Because God, you loved us so much that you gave your own life. You gave up everything to benefit us. Which oftentimes is what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we, will, we will benefit ourselves to a fault and, and, and lose everything before we realize that it's gone. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to be people that are loving and godly and focused on the right treasure and engaged in the times when we need to be engaged. Lord, help us to just be more like you and to grow in our walk with you every single day. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.